Hello, everybody. Welcome to Powwow, a new thought leadership series organized by Art and Market in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. My name is Vivian Yeo, and I am writer and designer at Art and Market. Over six panel discussions taking place in December and January, we will explore individual and collective efforts on current key issues and solutions in the local, regional, and international art scenes. Featuring the voices of innovators, <clears throat> this get-together is an opportunity to share knowledge about ways to move synergistically into 2021. Today's talk is titled Better Together, New Ideas and Networks. The global ban on travel has paradoxically fueled international collaboration as art practitioners find pathways to engage with their peers virtually and in preparation for the opening up of borders to meet again in person and do more together. In this session, we will speak to panelists about how they have expanded their networks along novel trajectories to bring refreshing experiences to their local communities. Before we begin, before we begin, I would like to thank everyone for spending the next hour with us. If you have a question to ask a panelist, you can type it out anytime in the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen, and we will get to them at the end during the question and answer segment. I am now pleased to introduce the panel. We have Alessio Antonioli, Director of Gasworks and Triangle Network. We have Emmy Yu, Executive Director of STBI and Project Director of C Focus. And Tan Bun Hui, Founding Artistic Director and Co-Curator of the Asia Society Triennial. The panel will be moderated by Nadia Wang, Editor at Art and Market. Nadia, over to you. Hi, everyone. Hi, Alessio. Hi, Bunhui, and hi, Emmy. Bunhui, special thanks for being with us at 4 a.m. from New York. Thank you so much. Um, so let's dive right in. I look forward to a productive discussion about the new ideas you've all developed and the networks you've built upon in the past year. And I'd like to start by inviting you to speak about your projects. Alessio, could you tell us about your work with Gasworks and Triangle Network in London? as well as your upcoming collaboration titled Open to Interpretation with an Asian Institution with Singaporean Artists as part of Singapore Art Week. Yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for inviting me to be part of this panel. It's great to see uh, friends and, and to have a conversation with you. Um, Alessio, I think you're muted. Uh, I don't. Yes, you're I OK have. now. Can you hear me now? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hi, everybody again. I hope you can hear me now. Yes. Um, it, um, it's, it's a pleasure to be part of this, of this talk and to see old friends, even, even though we're seeing them on, on Zoom. For those of you that don't know Gasworks, uh, it's an organization that's been around for 25 years. We're in London. And you see the building on screen now just to locate uh, where we are. We have a physical space in London that contains studios for London-based artists. We also have studios for a program of international residencies and a gallery space that we use to commission new work. We work with emerging artists from the UK, but also from all over the world. We think of ourselves as a bridge between what happens in the UK and what happens abroad. It's a way of highlighting uh, uh, and spotlighting different art scenes but it's also a way to bring in uh, 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 through our programs of residencies, exhibitions, events. It's a way of bringing these conversations together because there's a, an, a sort of like inherent belief in the, in the mission of the organization that we need to learn from each other, mobility of artists, mobility of ideas, uh, and, and sort of like fluidity of borders is, is what really underpins what we do at Grassworks. So you can imagine how uh, a situation like the COVID pandemic has completely undermined all the words I've just mm -hmm. used, uh, dialogue, mobility, fluidity, and all of that. So um, we have spent the last year, we've gone online. We have decided that uh, 
we, you know, working with artists needed to carry on. You know, we, we have major, we're in a nonprofit space, a major responsibility is to our artists because we're the first port of call for many artists to get onto the scene or the first stepping stone or whatever, and as well as our public. So maintaining those connections really accelerated our uh, commitment to uh, using social medias, online platforms to just keep the conversation alive, to continue to support artists. But I have to say, I mean, that the, the last year was uh, was very tragic for us. We literally had to repatriate artists uh, in in March when uh, the lockdown here started. And and actually, the minute that one of our artists arrived back home, um, he was taken to hospital uh, because he did get the COVID. Luckily, he was young. He survived. Everything was fine. But it really brought home and made that sort of the threat of the. Uh, uh, of this pandemic, very, very real for us. But we've raised the challenge. And uh, and I think, uh, uh, as you were saying, being part of a network meant that we have been able to kind of talk to all our friends and our partners and start developing things together. So you were asking about open interpretation. Do you want me to say a few words about that? Um, I can't see you, so I'm just asking. I hope you're sure. Nice. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So amongst the various projects that that we we developed, we were, we talked with uh, the Asian Art Institute and, uh, uh, and with the support of Arts Council of Singapore, who decided to uh, use this opportunity uh, of the fact that artists are sort of like stuck and so are institutions to commission new work and also to disseminate that work as widely as possible. So we, we were involved in, uh, so I, we, I was asked by uh, the wonderful Andreas Teo to, um, to consider a few artists and to do a, a sort of like a brief, uh, but very intense mentorship uh, uh, project, whereby we would meet the artist, have a first interaction, and then speak to them at various page, uh, stages of the development of their project. And that's what's been happening over the last couple of months. I've been meeting with Wells from the uh, um, uh, Whitechapel Gallery here in London. Also, we've been meeting and chatting with the five artists that uh, have been selected for the project, and it's been it's been fantastic because it's 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 actually uh, you know even though I was stuck at home, I still had the opportunity of being around artists, albeit albeit virtually, and and discuss not only. Uh, what they were going to do, but just the strategy, the opportunities, how uh, uh, to exploit the, the the online platform to really show showcase not just a piece of work, but sort of like a a, a practice, and uh, and that's what's that's what we've been doing. We've been talking about um, a lot of the artists are making work that really reflects the current year and how they've managed to uh, stay active. So you will see in January when the, when the project is launched, some of the work will focus on identity and personal trajectory inward, you know, uh, uh, although you can't go out so much, you can go inward and it's still a journey, uh, but also uh, a simple reflection of what it means to work when you're just constricted by your four walls or you in a very observational way look at what happens out of the window and see how the world continues to unfold and there's some really fantastic work and artists that at times haven't necessarily considered the online platform uh, for their practice in this sort of uh, significant way are really making a jump so look out for it it's going to be amazing and and the partnership is also really good because Art Institute are going to show it. Uh, Gasworks is going to, as a partner, is also going to disseminate it. So it's also an opportunity to bring art that it's made in Singapore to the wider audiences through these connections that we are establishing. Great, thank you, Alessio. Um, we have some images here. Could you tell us a bit about them? Yeah, I mean, I, I put this because I thought it was a, a, a very funny project. So um, as I was saying, a, a lot of the uh, uh, opportunities or a lot of the events on site were stopped. And uh, we talked with an artist called Eduardo Navarro, an artist from Argentina that we've been talking for a long time about doing a show at Gasworks due to opening March. Everything was going so well, but then it didn't uh, because, of course, it was cancelled. So we kept thinking of postponing. 
And then the artists, I think, with stroke of genius said, listen, we can't just postpone things. Things need to continue to evolve. They need to adapt. The show, as we thought it before, can't exist. It needs to happen in a different format. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that, is, that uh, we weren't able to do is bring the artist to London from Argentina to uh, install and to develop the work. So he sent us this doll. And, uh, and, and this was basically his avatar. And it's called Self Doll. And, uh, and we have been working with Self Doll. And uh, I mean, the secret is that through the mouth, at the back of the head, there's a, there's a port and we have been putting a, a, simply a mobile phone connected to WhatsApp. And the artist has been talking to us over the last few months through this doll. Uh, and and that through this doll, we've been able to install the show, create uh, all of these sort of events. And some of them have been these sort of um, episodes where self-doll answers questions to the public. And the questions vary from what is love, uh, why are you orange, uh, will the art world exist after uh, the pandemic? And in a very uh, sort of almost like guru style, uh, the doll just answered these questions. We put that on our website because I think one of the things that we were trying to do is during this time of lockdown that everybody was like crowding the online with Zoom calls and events and all of this. We just thought, how do we keep that fresh and how do we not do yet another Zoom uh, call, but still produce new content, exhibition, high quality work. And this was a way of talking in very uh, uh, relevant ways uh, to, to the artist practice about the work, but also being a bit lighthearted and really thinking that uh, although, as I was saying earlier, although we might be stuck in our own home and in our own town, etc., uh, art is the, is the thing that is still taking us around and can allow us to still, uh, still travel. And uh, so there's, uh, there's three episodes and there's a Christmas version coming up that um, that you should uh, that you should you could find on our um, on our website, and then the other thing, the other uh, images that I put, which uh, you will see here, is a, is a copy of the Eflux. Is another project we've collaborated with seven organizations around the world to show artists work, uh, and that was another way of joining forces, uh, widening uh, the. Um, the, the, the scope of widening our audiences and, and continue to support artists because of course we've been paying them, we've been commissioned to make work. So these, these are just opportunities and that, well, basically we tried to find an opportunity in the sad situation of the pandemic. Maybe I'll leave it at that and then we can have a chat later. Thank you very much, Alessio. Um, and Boon Hui, could you talk about the Asia Society Triennial that's ongoing in New York, as well as the upcoming Impact Collectors show that will be a part of Singapore Art Week? Sure. Hi, hi, everyone. Uh, glad everyone's tuned in. Um, with the Triennial, I, I think the Asia Society Triennial, I mean, as a, as a biennial triennial, Basically, you know, it, it was an idea that I, when I first went to New York five years ago, that I brought, and that was the reason why I was in New York. And, and it basically took five years to, to materialize. And the initial idea was that, you know, in a place like New York that we call a global art city, actually, there, the presence of contemporary artists from the Asia Pacific especially in institutional settings is actually very, very little compared to, you know, the amount of creative production that is coming out from this region. Very little, uh, you know, art from Asian artists of Asian descent, as well as Asian American artists within uh, the USA actually gets, gets shown. And that was partly the reason why uh, the triennial came about. And, you know, with the date, what happened was we, of course, run right smack into uh, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, you know, so we, we couldn't open, uh, it was supposed to be a summer event, so we couldn't open that in June, in the first week of June, of course, and it was finally rescheduled to the end of October. So two things are going on. One is this idea of a, a large-scale 
recurrent exhibition, which of course now, you know, with COVID, then you have to ask how could such a thing still continue? What adaptations had to be made? One was of course that, uh, you know, everyone involved, but especially the artists were very convinced that, you know, this idea of an exhibition of a physical encounter with the visceral quality of art still had a kind of value. And with this uh, triennial, I mean, the theme that I had put out, we do not dream alone. Basically, it, artistically, it is a kind of resistance against isolationism. And with the pandemic, you know, what happened was suddenly the theme took on a different kind of resonance, not in terms of the medical pandemic, but in terms of in the context of the US and in other parts of the world, Europe, for instance, how as a result of COVID-19, you got an increase in anti-Asian uh, attitudes, in xenophobia, in racism, in attacks, on minorities in the scapegoating, you know, of anyone that looked Asian. So suddenly the triennial became with its, its kind of call against isolationism, not a physical isolationism, but an isolation of the mind that we, we, we need not, uh, we don't longer believe in connecting or working with other people. So this very idea that the triennial should go on, not just as an online, uh, presence, which of course every fair, every exhibition is embracing, but also to insist on a kind of physical presence for the New York region, that there is a physical place that one could go to. So what did we uh, sort of do? Uh, let's do a preamble. Next slide, please. And this is Viba Gauhotra, the uh, artist from uh, India. And what was interesting was that her work, the actual creation of the work occurred a year before in 2019. And it's a relational work that involved, you know, inviting a, a, a cross section of people who were, whose jobs or whose aspirations, whose passions were dealing with water safety. And as an artist from India, what was interesting was that her work in the triennial that was to lead up to the triennial the next year was about New York. You know, she was doing another version in India about India, but it was, even though she was an international artist, her work in the triennial is thoroughly about this locality uh, that the triennial will take place in about uh, New York. Next slide. Yeah. And, and, you know, where these participants from all walks of life and lawyers, lobbyists, uh, academics, uh, you know, that, that were uh, dealing with this issue of the safety and of water sources and access to water, you know, as a relational project, they involved around a dinner, uh, you know, cooked uh, by uh, actually a, a chef that is working with Ayurvedic principles. It sounds very esoteric. But what's going to happen is the work finally, uh, you know, would be a, a film-based uh, sort of presentation in part two of the triennial. So, uh, next slide. So that became sort of very lucky, but a, a kind of, of, of sort of model, one thematically, that it is about the possibility of coming together, but it also is a, a kind of signal that art, that even a spectacular exhibition model like the biennial and triennial increasingly would have to find relevance in the locality in which it occurs and be very explicit about it. So what uh, and then two, of course, how do we manage the physical exhibition? So instead of a two, three month sort of spectacle where hundreds and thousands of people come together, we decided to, you know, adopt a kind of slow food approach, which is to stretch uh, each part of the exhibition over four months uh, of the year. So essentially, you know, in its full expression, it'll be eight months. Uh, with social distancing because capacity is reduced, you know, down to 25%. But 
by insisting on a physical exhibition, but by allowing a much more longer duration, we sort of allow for possible shutdown. You know, there may be some sort of likely pass, uh, partial shutdown in the next few weeks uh, in New York before because of the holiday. We invite uh, the positive thing people to come back again. And we made the exhibition free. The core triennial exhibition is free so that you know, we just keep removing barriers while instituting sort of physical uh, safety uh, protocols. And really the whole exhibition becomes about, uh, you know, still insisting that art is important, is even more important at this point in time in, in uh, producing a kind of meeting of minds in allowing the people of New York and the US, you know, who, for the foreseeable future is not likely to physically travel to Asia to really get an opportunity to understand the culture and, and you know, life experiences of that. And what we did was of course to focus on artists that had rarely or never been presented in New York. Uh, Arpita Singh, what's on the screen is Arpita Singh. The, she's over 80, but you know, she will soon, uh, I'm very happy we are the first to show her in a biennial, major biennial, triennial. She will appear in the next uh, Guangzhou uh, biennial uh, as well as a, a very senior woman artist of color. And she's the only artist that talks about the experience of the older Indian woman. Next slide. Next slide, please. Uh, and we have a special project uh, because we felt it was very important again to now really focus on within the context of America and New York, uh, produce projects that force or encourage people to think about the linkages and the connections uh, between Asia and the West, uh, specifically America. This is a special project guest curated by another curator, Susan Bennington, which we brought into the triennial called We the People. And this whole project in the center, you will see is an official 19th century copy of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, actually one of the last few in private uh, collections at the moment. And what we did was uh, worked with the curator, with the guest curator to invite to the left of the screen Xu Bing and to the right, the much younger Chinese artist Sun Xun to create new works in response to the declaration. These two are artists that work between New York and, and, and China. And how the pinnings, uh, the underpinnings of this project was of course the realization that the founding fathers of America, Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, uh, all, all these people, actually they were great admirers and, and they studied uh, classical Chinese civilization at that moment when they were thinking about the creation of this new country. Uh, and in fact, you know, uh, they, they wrote academic articles about, particularly about Confucius and particularly the issue of ethics and morality and good governance. What makes a good ruler uh, in the analects of Confucius? Next slide. Uh, and this is Sun Xun. Uh, just now on the, the left, the 24 Leaf album. Uh, and, and these two are actually, he depicts two Confucian scholars with their heads decapitated. They've been decapitated and up in, in flames. And the, the, the written text, basically he talks about how, you know, the public institutions are being usurped, uh, you know, by, you know, the, 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 the sort of current uh, sort of, of leaders. So Sun Xin's work, like uh, literati painting in, in, in the past, you know, in China itself was, uh, is a kind of political critique, you know, it's nothing new. The old literati works also had this kind of aspect. And why is it here? Because of course, if you actually read the Declaration of Independence, it's also a critique of King George. <laughs> The, the English monarch that, you know, the American Revolution overthrew, you know, so a moment of connection between, you know, uh, you know, in historical time between America and, of course, uh, you know, China, and of course, one remembers that 
during the uh, you know when Sun Yat-sen was campaigning, was agitating for the uh, end of the last imperial dynasty of the Qing dynasty, it was of course to American uh, and American constitutional democracy that he he also pitched as a uh, sort of model. Next slide, please. Uh, and then finally, uh, back home, uh, you know, we've been doing this for about the last three years, the In Part Collectors Show. Uh, next slide. This is of the last one in January. And, and it, it came from a very simple kind of objective, one that a lot of the most interesting modern and contemporary art is in private hands. Uh, internationally, and that for the Singapore Art Week, while it is very regionally focused, it was important to also have a much larger ambit to show art from beyond the Southeast Asian region, uh, particularly those that 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 names that you you read about, but you know you people didn't have the opportunity to see. So of course, in January, we showed this uh, work by Ken Hindewali, the uh, you know, black artists, and it generated a lot of uh, interest. So for the, for the next uh, uh, iteration, of course, with COVID, it's turned, uh, we've turned the collector show virtual. And what we're doing is we're turning it almost into a kind of educational doc documentary that we ask some collectors, would they let us sort of do a kind of doc, almost like a documentary film uh, that we could go into uh, where their art was and, and really take a look at, you know, how their collecting sort of makes sense, how all, instead of individual works, how, how as a collector their work uh, made, made sense. So, you know, instead of a show, we decided to go to the back of house. We decided to go into the, the making of, and we felt that was much more interesting than again doing another virtual uh, exhibition. Which you know, frankly, you know, people are so tired of virtual uh, viewing rooms. Uh, you know, uh, by now. Thank That's you it. very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bunhui. Um, and Emmy, could you share with us STPI's uh, visiting artist program, your recent fundraising efforts, and also what we can expect from C Focus? Yes, sure. Thank you very much for inviting me to this group. I'm happy to share about SDPI's Visiting Artist Program here. Um, you can see some of the artist projects that we have done in the past and those that are currently going on. So we have Janice Kerbel, um, uh, an artist who's based in London. Perhaps Alessio may know her and she yes, has been to Singapore. Well. Yeah. Yeah, so she was here last year, but of course with COVID, we are continuing to work with her online. And um, we have done projects with Tobias Rayberger from Germany, then Manuelo Campo, and Tangwi Harso, Pinari Sampitak, and Harry Dono, and Melati, whom most of our viewers would be very familiar with the artists from our, around our region. Um, next, please. So SDPI is a creative workshop and this, these are the artists currently who are working with us. Um, he Man Chung, whose show we're going to have just right after Singapore Art Week next year. Charles is working with us to prepare his solo show with us um, next at end of next year. Um, Russell Wong came back to do work with us uh, this, this year for an unveiling of a set of beautiful prints uh, during Singapore Art Week. And of course, Jane Lee, whom we are all familiar with, and she's continuing to work with us in the studio. Next. So this year, it really, you know, um, SDPI, our annual Friends Gala dinner, some of you are familiar with. Um, just like I'm sure Alessio and Bunhui, we also have to do a private-public partnership through fundraising events. and. With COVID regulations, it was really uh, a challenging time for myself and my team on how to engage still our community and artists and not um, one of one of them. I mean, one. I think it was Bunyo, Alessio said we cannot stop because of COVID. We must continue and 
and carry on. So this is the the fundraiser that we held last October, I mean, this past October. Basically, what we did is staying within the COVID regulations of group of five. We worked with 10 artists who are based in Singapore, um, Singapore artists, but actually for some of them were already outside. We were able to create um, 10 encounters, which our group of five groups, these um, participants, our supporters were able to really go up and close to the artist. So it was quite a different way of um, conducting uh, fundraiser. And I think the consensus was that they really enjoyed this much more than a dinner format because they were really able to get to know the artists. Yeah. Then of course, C Focus, um, we will be having our third iteration of C Focus in January. And um, I think Boonhui said, and also Lesio, now we're always on Zoom. So we had to really think how can we provide something offer something that could be beyond the Zoom. So we will be having a physical presentation of ex, uh, in an exhibition format called Hyper Horizon during the run of the Singapore Art Week. And so it's C-Focus this coming year, we can go to the next slide, will um, take place from 22nd to 31st January. And this coming year, we'll be holding this in Tanjung Paga District Park, whereby there's also going to be an exhibition space by Singapore Museum. So I think it was a very nice kind of a convergence of um, visual arts during this week to come to one place for those who will be in Singapore, the fortunate ones. I'm sorry, Alessia, you're not gonna be here, but I hope maybe if you wanna do a two week quarantine, we'll be happy to have you come. Be and careful, cause that's very tempting. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically we will have um, online um, offering as well on Artsy, but we really wanted to pro, um, present a show where people can come and see the work. So 26 participating galleries will be sending us the works of their presentation. And together with our exhibition team, we'll be putting up a show under the theme of Hyper Horizon. So I hope you will all come down to see for those who are in Singapore. Can I just say, I just jump in? Sorry, I'm not the, the moderator, but I really like what you said, and it connects to what Bunhui was also saying that you know it's so important to uh, to make the most of the situation. We've yes. all gone online, but one of the questions that I was asked quite a lot during the summer uh, was, okay, so you know we can stop doing on-site residencies. Everything's going to go online, and it's like, no, 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 no. no. The, the, the experience of being in the place, the seeing the work that it's in front of you, and also understanding that not every artist produces work to be seen online, you know. So I think what we, what we now know and what we've sort of experienced is a better way of using all these different platforms. But I think, please, let's not, which I love that you guys are saying it, they don't replace uh, the experience of meeting an artist, being in a gallery, seeing the work, talking to each other in a physical space. They just, we, we, we now have learned to use another layer, but they're all important. I mean, so you know, we're all, <laughs> I mean, I agree. I mean, we're in a creative sector. We really are much more agile, I think, and we're, we can adapt to situation really quick. So this is where we are. I, I think the whole art industry, even though some, there were very few percentage of people who were kind of up ahead of the curve with the, with, you know, online auction, online this and that, you know, but mo we know that most of us were really lagging behind, but when the COVID hit, we're just like, okay, let's go. And the, 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 the acceleration of, uh, of adap adapting to the situation was really unprecedented for, for all of us who are in this, in this field. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Alessio, for getting the ball rolling with the discussion. Um, <laughs> no, all good. Uh, we did see okay. this uh, discussion and, you know, a conversation. So I, it was so great to hear all of your projects and how you've all pivoted from the short term and also thinking about what to do in the long term as well. And I think what you said is 
right on the money. I mean, obviously the digital cannot replace the physical, but maybe we can talk about how the digital has opened up new networks or created new ideas at this time that we may not have thought about before when we didn't have to. Well, certainly... Well, uh, what what oh, also... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, no, I no, think no, go what, I think what we are in is a kind of... Uh, you know, there are two things that are going on. One is a kind of rethinking of the complete... the, the complete sort of global art ecology and how sort of, you know, global art, uh, you know, in Singapore, we love to use the phrase world-class. I have no idea what it means, but uh, you know, what it's talking about is a kind of, 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 of international kind of network. I think that one, at one level, there needs that we are in the midst of a complete rethinking. How do you still have an international residency? after COVID, how do you still have an international exhibition? And also the most serious, I mean, to me is what does an encyclopedic art museum mean after COVID? You know, what, what does encyclopedic mean anymore if you map that onto global? Uh, that's a bigger issue we can talk about late, later. But I think what this whole online thing invites is, I think it invites us to think over that a project uh, you know, what we call the project timeline, we start to rethink that. It enables us to think of not just like in terms of opening an exhibition, but what do you do before that? You know, in terms that, that what you do before can also be public because it can be put online. So you can have like pre- uh, sort of programs that are programs in themselves, you know, because the actual event when it opens, whether it's an exhibition, a fair or what, literally the opening is a non-opening, right? Because you can't really have the opening in a traditional sense. And you, it also forces us to think of what is after. So I think this issue of the timeline changes sort of completely. And it's possible therefore to, you know, like what, Lisa was talking about open to in interpretation. So I worked on that idea with the Institutum as well. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 we begin to start to think of process-based projects, of using online as a way to get behind the scene, to get behind uh, the process. So that never had a kind of urgency until now because you realize that you can talk more about the process. In fact, it's more difficult to show the actual product the actual exhibition <laughs> now because it's 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 virtual you know but curators and and artists could talk and illustrate their their process uh now i think that's one uh sort of major thing that has has changed so it's a diversification Mm. That's a very interesting point. I mean, instead of just the final beautiful product, there is um, attention towards the process. And of course, also this democratization um, of the knowledge, right? Because you're saying also that it opens up, you know, the processes to a bigger audience. Um, it can include um, a wider public. Has that been your um, experience as well, Amy and Alessio? I mean, for me, if I take that kind of notion, what Unhui was saying, um, if I take that a little bit further to my sector, which is not necessarily the projects and artists, I mean, we have that as well, but we also have the public facing uh, space, which is the gallery. And, you know, um, traditionally speaking in the contemporary art world, as you said, the VIP opening is not really an opening. It was our contemporary art world has always been kind of like seen as a bit exclusive in a way that you have to be comfortable, you have to feel com only those who feel comfortable or familiar are attending these events. But through this, uh, this period, I was thinking that because we are offering a lot of things online, even, you know, the, the fact that the fairs, online fairs are, are publishing prices, for example, with the works that are offered, that is really a huge step towards making um, or 
offering the public to come closer to this contemporary art world. So when we have exhibitions, of course, it can never replace the, the, the physical seeing the works. However, because you can do this on your own private time, we're hoping that through these programs, people will get familiar in their own time and make one day when we can all come out and gather together, we will be able to uh, have those whom we could not have previously. So in a way, when we look at it in this positive manner, we're actually reaching out to a lot more possible audience, right? So I think when the museums or even our SDPI gallery, a lot of our um, announcements, EDMs are gearing towards kind of simple activities or, or announcements on outreach program. We really hope that they will take an effect of getting people closer to what we do over here. And from there, it's just all a process. It takes time and they will then get to come on and be with us physically. So I think in this manner, this whole online um, has given us a lot more opportunities to, to, to do things differently. And as your innovations have attracted new audiences, how have your existing audiences reacted you know, to this opening up? of knowledge opening up of you know activities i mean i think the 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 existing audience and supporters of course you know if they're not in singapore if they're abroad it'll be a little bit harder to come and see the exhibition so we have to just wait and see but you know it's almost like nowadays in our gallery um sphere my co um international co colleagues we are, this is like a tagline think global but go local Mm -hmm. Right. So this whole thing really resonates now. I mean, we want to reach out to the global audience, but what we do physically is really focusing on where we are. And I think this is a very good balance because previously we couldn't do that because we were always traveling. We had to go meet artists. And for us, for the STBI gallery, we were going to all these art fairs. So we never really had enough time to focus on our home audience. In, not enough, right? As Budnui said, what does world-class mean, right? So we're like a world-class art fair, world-class exhibitions. So now we are able to really spend time where we are and really kind of build that, um, the brick, uh, your, your foundation much stronger from which you can actually do a lot more things, I feel. Yeah. What about for I, you, Alessio? Is that the same for you in London? I, yeah, I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, we were so focused for all the right reasons. I mean, I'm not blaming mm. ourselves or anybody for it, but, you know, we were focused on producing the show, de delivering the product and all of those kind of things. But actually, even thinking back of how we managed to kind of create a core audience, what was such a, an important thing for us when we were taking uh, 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 the public in, in a reduced sort of form to visit an artist studio, to talk to the artist. So the behind the scene that makes the product so much richer, that makes the context so much clearer was always the way to not just sort of like uh, uh, have a moment with the member of the audience, but also to to sort of really develop that rooted core uh, uh, commitment from, say, a collector or a, a general member of the public to what we were producing. So thinking about the Gasworks as uh, uh, a, a place where talent is developed, looking at the process of how that happens. So when we were bringing people into the studios or we were inviting people to events and talks, that was such a rich uh, uh, moment. Now that we put that online, uh, one of the comments that we've had, for example, is like, uh, which is kind of funny because somebody was saying, well, thank God you've woken up and realize that not everybody lives in London, but we still want to know what it is that you're doing. So actually, uh, in, in, a, in a sort of like slap in the face or backhanded compliments, they were just saying, good, you know, we, we also want access. Not everybody wants, can come to London, uh, but we still want to follow what artists are doing. So even if it's like small, short videos in which artists take you around the studio or talk about the process or like I'm doing with the, with the Open to Interpretation projects that meet artists regularly as they produce the work. These are really wonderful experiences on both sides. I'm sure, well, I'm hoping that the artists 
are, 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 are appreciating the, 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 the contact. But certainly for me, based in London, there's no other, you know, unless I just get on the plane and come to uh, uh, Singapore all the time, which I wouldn't mind, but then my carbon footprint would be disastrous. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's an opportunity to stay connected and using these people like uh, Emmy, Bunhui, uh, uh, you know, as a way of saying, have you heard of this? Check this out, have a Zoom meeting with that artist, do that. It's a way of really enriching my own vocabulary, my own sort of encyclopedia uh, of knowledge, pass it on to colleagues, because that's also the other thing. Because when you do this at institutional level, we can all be around Zoom rather than the director or the curator be the only one that travels mm. and therefore that knowledge being very, uh, uh, you know, in, into that person alone, very individual. So that there's, there's, there's a, I think there's been a lot of learning. And I think mm -hmm. I really do hope that as things will relax in terms of restrictions, we can really incorporate this experience so that we can, we can be even more connected to our artists and our audiences. Yeah, I think the theme of barriers has come up a couple of times now. So Bunhu is talking about how there are these like barriers to entry that he's trying to kind of tear down with the Asia Society Triennial. And you're also talking about barriers between institutions. Um, so I'm just wondering, has there been this heightened sense of mutual support um, in the local, regional, international art scene because we've just had to? Have you experienced that? What has it been mm -hmm. like? Certainly in our case, for example, in London uh, uh, in the last year, a lot of uh, um, sort of institutional groups uh, have reemerged. That they were they used to exist at one point and we all got busy because as Emmy was saying, we were traveling, working, competing, doing all these things. And then the crisis arrived and we were like, oh shoot. <laughs> I was gonna say something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, let's find out how other colleagues are dealing with this because this is all new and maybe there's something that we can learn from each other. Or maybe if we collaborate, if we put our resources together, if we join forces, we can still do this, we can still do that. Which is why I was showing that program, uh, uh, A River Awaits Reply, or even with the work, the, the work that we're doing now with the, uh, the Institute, you know joining forces in order to be able to not just deliver our missions but actually think more collectively that has been i think one of the great things to mm. come out of this very otherwise terrifying moment yes i totally agree i mean that's what we have um here we currently at stpi gallery we have an exhibition strange forms of things which is under the umbrella of novel ways of being and this was um initiated by the National Gallery and Singapore Museum. So it, within Singapore already, there are five organizations that um, have come together to, to, to work with artists and curators to put up this novel ways of being, being themed uh, exhibition all across. But you know, when this whole COVID happened on our gallery side, really I was contacted by my colleagues from Europe and America because we were all just basically stunned, like, <laughs> yeah. what? Okay, the Hong Kong got canceled, everything was getting canceled. So we, and, and out of this really emerged a very strong network of galleries, like-minded galleries from America to Europe, America, I mean, East Coast, West Coast, Europe, um, Asia, and Africa. So actually we are involved in two international projects, gallery-led um, initiative projects, which will unveil um, uh, uh, February and April. But then um, one, is, one is just, uh, one is called galleries curate and there are 18 galleries from around the world and we will be curating under the wall uh, under the theme of water and it is um it is uh, headed by a curator from paris but the other one is actually very interesting it's a it's kind of like a an fair slash project called south south project initiated by um 
Lisa Esters from Goodman Gallery in South Africa. So you know, can you imagine? She is really far away from rest of us, right? So I mean, she she's been doing the South South project in a gallery, but she turned this into a platform whereby all the galleries um, in the Southern Hemisphere can come together and really promote the artists from this part of the world to outside. And we could do this because we, we are in COVID, I think, the global outreach. Yes, Alessio, you were going to say this? No, because I think what you said is brilliant because uh, 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 it really links to the fact that, you know, COVID and the pandemic and the health issue, but it's also been a time to really look at ethics and to look yes. at politics. And when we talked about it in, 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 the, in the curatorial idea, yeah and the way we work things. But, you know, this also was the year of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, uh, you know, the way in which institutions have dealt with the pandemic, some better than others. Uh, you know, how do you work with workers? How do you support your workers? How do you support artists? Because, you know, at, at the moment of crisis, we all kind of look inward, but actually, how about your constituents? You know, right. if the artists are not supported, what are you gonna show? You know, so how do we join forces? It's also a way of thinking ethically. It's also a way of thinking, hang on, I exist because I have a whole ecosystem around me. So, you know, if I want to continue to thrive, it's not just about me, it's also whoever to to, yeah. generates this. And, and I think that that's been a very interesting uh, uh, element that it's also kind of uh, exploded in a, Thank God. I think that it was kind of there. It was, I mean, this notion, I mean, that's probably why when Boon Huey went to New York like five years ago, he already had an idea that the, the art from this part of the world had to be surfaced where he was in New York. And this is also kind of same idea that when C-Focus came about three years ago, I mean, our, our thing was, okay, we got to put this part of the world out there. Okay, yeah. so thanks to COVID in a positive way, I mean, I'm talking in a positive way, yeah. really kind of accelerate us to be, to be here, to be, to be offering our art, uh, our art online. I mean, you know, so hopefully it will continue to garner interest. That's, that's one of the, the, I suppose, positive things that could come out from the, this sort of reordering, the fact that you, you no longer, it's very difficult to be the super nomadic curator jet setting or the galleries jet setting around the world. And of course, you know, the alternative we're talking about is now we are sort of encouraged to collaborate with people all over the world with local and regional expertise, you know, and, and really what is moving towards is an art world that possibly could be much more diverse because it's it's collaborative in a real sense. It's tapping upon, you know, regional narrative rather than you have, mm. you know, one institution or one person trying to internalize the whole world because he or she or they are, are sort of, you know, trapping around around the world. I think that's that's one of the the sort of, you know, very deep kind of restructuring of the processes of the global art world that could be a positive outcome because, you know, as Amy, you know, said with C-Focus, what it does, it, it almost forces you to have to give space to a diverse uh, art scene from different parts uh, of 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 the world and and you know of course here in the U.S. the the conjunction of the timing with Black Lives Matter and and the whole issue of 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 equity becomes much more uh, sort of urgent. So there is there is a kind of I think also there's a kind of urgency uh, in the in terms of the ethics of the global art world because now. COVID is forcing us to look at what is sidelined, what is persecuted, what is the, the sort of, you know, marginalization that COVID is, is not that it never existed, it's that it's made it so visible that you cannot yeah, it. And ignore it. You cannot ignore it uh, uh, anymore, you know? Well, you've been talking about rethinking, restructuring, doing things in a different way. And I think for a time, we were all wondering, okay, how do we do this in a short term? How do we react? How do we adapt? But it feels like now some best practices are emerging that we want to bring 
into post-COVID times, which we hope will happen really soon. And I just wanted to ask one final question before we get to audience's questions. What is one innovation or approach you've developed or adopted during this period that you would like to retain moving forward into a post-COVID-19 world? Maybe we can start with Emmy. Alessia wanted to go first. Oh, go ahead, Alessia. I did. I was trying to kind of think on my feet. I think one of the things that we've done is try to, uh, you know, be creative with online content. You know, it's not just like uh, something to uh, like the uh, the ugly brother or ugly sister of the exhibition, but it's actually in itself <laughs> another entry point for content. That is, that is something that I think we've learned and we realize that we want what we put online and what we have on site to be very complementary, but to be both access points of the same quality, of the same level to the work of artists. So it's about what we were saying. It's about the democratization. It's about making sure that we know we create a much richer experience and we give artists more platform to be able to express their work. So I think that level of, of clarity as to what the online platform can do to a company, but to be on the same level as the on-site is, is, un, is not, becoming a strong. Uh, the online, I think it's important that the online offering, I mean, what the, the momentum is not, cannot be seen as just a kind of promotional platform. Right. Like, it's also a kind of content platform. But, you know, I also want to say that the big kind of challenge right now with this whole online presentation of art is actually performative work and, and immersive work, uh, they, they, uh, and as well as a lot of video work. Uh, we need to be very clear-eyed that when we talk about online exhibitions, they work best for painting, photography, and 2D work, which that is a huge chunk of the co contemporary art world that we haven't figured out, you know, how to express that online. I think that, you know, while we are all very cheery about that, at the same time, there is this huge chunk of the art world that, Absolutely. you know, we have this issue, you know, and, and I think even the technology is also sort of catching up and the artists, curators certainly have no idea. I'm very open about, about right. saying that we're still like waiting to, to figure it out. But I think, uh, you know, the principle that I think right now is that the online platform is an equivalent. Uh, the challenge is, is how is it going to be of equivalent quality and impact to the actual physical exhibition? I think it's important. Yeah, so that's why we're really hoping that some solution will come so that people can come and see the works in physical um, yeah. sense. But I mean, to answer Nadia's question, I think for me, um, personally, having gone through this very difficult and challenging time that I have never encountered before in my life, honestly, it was really when I think back, it just seems so long ago, but it was extremely challenging for me personally, but as well as for my team. So I'm not sure whether I have something innovative that I want to take forward, but what I saw was that, and I'm very thankful that our team when we were faced with this challenging, this challenge about what is next when we didn't know what was going to happen, my team just kind of, we all came together. And the fact that they showed such um, resilience in a manner that they never said we couldn't do this or we couldn't do that. Uh, and, and then even during Circuit Breaker, our gallery team really kind of like wrap their head around and work so hard to put out that content to engage continuously of our audience online. I just have to be really thankful for that. Of course, unfortunately, my workshop team couldn't do it because they have to, they're the production people, so they couldn't be inside, but they on their own way were preparing to come back and, and, and training themselves themselves online thank god there was online um tuition of different things so they took to course so i think all in all what really taught me is that if we are together 
as we said about, you know, having, getting together and doing things, collaborating, it all starts with us. With, and the tool is just a vehicle to get things done. So I think if we are all in the same line and same desire and the passion and the enthusiasm, when we are together, I think we could do a lot. That's what I learned. That is such a great note to end the discussion on. And I think it also relates to Bunhui's title for the Asian Society Triennial. We do not dream alone and we are better together. I feel like I could bring it to song right now, but not <laughs> Go on. Questions. And uh, we have one from Yvonne Wang who ask about the provision of free and digitally mediated cultural content. She's asking if it's sustainable over time uh, because it has opened a door to many future innovations, but is the trend here to stay? How can we better address the digital divide and access? Because even as we're thinking about being inclusive, there are also those who do not have that digital access. So could you guys address that question, please? That's the million dollar yeah. Uh, question. I think everybody is asking. I think it also has to do with what is the model of of the business model of of the organization. You know, if if you are in the U.S., it's very very serious because earned revenue uh, in the U.S., whether through ticketing or, or, or membership, for example, makes up a huge chunk of the, the operating revenue of an institution. So once, you know, the museum closes, the performing arts center closes, the theater closes, you are losing a huge chunk of your, your revenue. And the other, the re, and the main problem really, uh, I mean, this question is, is really, really important. I don't think anyone, I, I haven't, at least I haven't come across, has figured out really how to make mm. money in the long term, how to how to generate just from online offerings, simply because there is too much, you know, uh, there is too much. There are so many panels and discussions and, you know, lectures and so on in the arts all over the internet. No one has been able to monetize uh, that to, to become a replacement an alternative source of revenue from physical ticketing or, or physical membership. And I tell you for nonprofit art institutions, it's not just ticketing, it's actually membership because you will lose your membership without physical, people pay to be able to, you know, they don't have to queue, they're the first to go go in. That's going to be really, I think the, the challenge, I, I don't, uh, maybe my colleagues have, have a solution to that. I haven't really seen everybody sort of like, we're trying no. to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think we're in, we're in a period, a I think we're in a learning period. And this is not only for the creative arts sector. I think this is all across in every sector um, that this whole COVID pandemic hit us like nowhere. Nobody has imagined the whole world would shut down, honestly, right? And we have never encountered something like that. So, and because of this, I'm definitely sure that people's behavior and desires and priorities have changed. And that really will put all of us into a situation to, and, and, and Boonhui actually mentioned this earlier in his um, sharing, it will put us in a situation to rethink, even for us, what is that we need to do, but what is that people want to hear? What are they expecting and what can we do? What are the artists going to output and what 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 is the purpose? I mean, like we have to really ask these questions. So for 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 me anyway, for me, we're going to my my team and I will have brainstorming session. I think now that we have kind of uh, put um, found the footing of um, daily operations, we we really looking, you know, three years forward or five years forward. What is that? How do we want to adapt this situation? Embrace and put give an output where we can really address issues about, you know, can we sustain if we do this online pro program? Can we sustain that? Um, and how about, you know. How, if we are not able to get artists here the way they, they used to come in, what are we going to do 
our workshop people, what are they going to produce and what kind of work can we produce if we only do online projects, for example? So there are a lot of questions I think we are all asking ourselves. If, um, and I know for sure even the galleries are asking the, themselves as well. Um, and I'm sure all the luxury markets, I mean, it's, I really feel that we do, we are using this time to really learn a lot more, but this learning curve is going to be really steep because we don't have very much time. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that, <clears throat> yes, go ahead, Alessio. No, I just, I, I just agree with what my colleagues were saying. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's completely right. I mean, one thing that has happened uh, here in the UK, for example, is that the governmental fund, fund, funding, the Arts Council and, and other trusts and foundations have recognized the value of the online and they're therefore investing. And for nonprofits like Gasworks and our network, re, that we rely on this so that the, uh, on this funding as well as funding from collectors and privates and donors. So that sort of mixed uh, uh, business model allows us to be able to kind of keep all these channels open. But I completely agree with Bonri and Emi that uh, how this will develop, where the strengths will be, what will, what will take over or not, is a question of wait and see. I think, I think uh, my only comfort is that what we have learned in the last year is that, uh, and Emi put it really, really well, is this sort of this resilience, you know, being surrounded by artists and, and finding creative solutions very quickly and also not being scared to test something that might fail, but at least we know and there's still learning to be done from it. It's something that I think the art world, particularly at our, in our scale, uh, can do very well. And I think we will continue to do that. And uh, so that we make quite a few mistakes, but also we'll make some really uh, new, you know, uh, uh, try new examples and eventually we'll try and find a balance, but it is going to be tough. Um, but yeah, it, it is It is all we can do, I guess. I, I don't think, I, I think what we're seeing now is only the tip of the iceberg. I think over the next five years, it's, it's one is it's going to be very tough. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. That's not, uh, it's not a kind of rosy situation. It yeah. is going to be very tough because we've already seen that, you know, basically, you know, every, at least at the very minimum, you know, 30% of museums are just going to disappear. Uh, and we're not even talking about commercial galleries and other profits. There is, you know, globally a lot of unemployment and layoffs and so on. Absolutely. So we are entering a very difficult phrase, which hopefully, you know, uh, you know, the, the sort of collegial collaborations mm -hmm. that we are now, uh, instead of having that kind of, we are going to do everything ourselves because, you know, we don't want to let our, co our competitors have the secret. I think what this pandemic has done is to force us to say, hey guys, we're all in the same boat. If we don't start rowing in the same direction, the boat goes down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Completely agree. Thank you so much for the reality check. Um, but of course, we all have our optimism, which is the most important thing. And I really do think from your discussion that we are better together. We will have new ideas. We will build on our networks. Um, on that note, thank you, Alessio, Bunhui, Emmy. Over to you, Vivian. Thank you, everyone for tuning in to spend the past hour with us in this very insightful discussion. Before we conclude, I'd like to invite all of you to join us for the rest of Pow Wow, which is organized in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. Do tune in next Thursday, 17 December, 5 to 6 p.m. for our second talk titled Mix and It's a Match, Cross-Pollinations with Art, featuring artist Regina Di Rosario, visual artist and performer Rizman Putra, artist Jeremy Sharma, and artist Salty Ng Sijie. The talk will be moderated by artist and researcher Sean Chua. Please visit artandmarket.net slash powwow for more information and to sign up. Thank you everyone and have a great night ahead. Bye. Yeah.